I'm past my six months now. Um, I'm constantly worried about reinfection. Reaction to the B.C. government's message to fourth COVID vaccine dose hopefuls in B.C. on when they can roll up their sleeves. Plus, preservation without development is just as bad as development without preservation. Uncovering the future through the past, what some stakeholders say the future of Vancouver's Chinatown depends on. I hope that it makes people stop and kind of think. And the truth about Trutch Street, the Victoria sign swapped out as an act of reconciliation. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Provincial health officials may be gearing up for a major COVID-19 booster campaign this fall in hopes new vaccines tailored to fight the Omicron variants will be made available. But that's left most of those between 12 and 65 wanting to get their second booster, wondering what to do in the interim given current relaxed public health measures. Paul Johnson has our top story tonight. I can't uh, walk around the block at this point uh, without serious repercussions. Katie McLean has been suffering through a multitude of health problems since getting COVID. 22 months after the infection, she's got heart problems, severe fatigue and brain fog. She hasn't been able to work and remains housebound. So no surprise, she's got some opinions on the availability of a next booster. I mean, I wish that I had access. I'm past my six months now. Um, I'm constantly worried about reinfection. Since Friday's announcement that Victoria will offer fourth dose boosters on an expanded basis in the fall, many British Columbians have worked out their own strategies. Some have driven south of the border where boosters are available to anyone asking for them while others who are eligible appear to be waiting, anticipating an updated version of the shot or just not doing it at all. UBC professor Sarah Otto says if you can get the shot now, do it. I don't yet want to worry about the fall if we've got a wave coming right now um, here in the summer. Otto says with infections of the BA5 subvariant climbing, why put yourself at risk if the shot is available now? Province-wide, more than a million people haven't even taken advantage of the first booster. We have a lot of immunity in BC at the moment between our um, vaccinations and our um, the infections that have happened so far. But it's waning. And a lot of people haven't had a booster in over four, four to six months. So if you're making your booster plans, you may consider the example of a long COVID sufferer like Katie McLean. Uh, so I don't really have a good idea of what my future is going to look like or when and if I will be able to return to previous activities and my previous lifestyle. Paul Johnson, Global News. And Dr. Kevin McLeod, an internal medicine specialist at Lionsgate Hospital, is using social media to warn the public. The BA5 variant is ramping up and seeming to make people feel sicker, fevers, chills, stuck in bed for a few days than some of the other recent variants. You can get it even if you've had COVID or are vaccinated and boosted. McLeod recommends decreasing your exposure risk by being outside and avoiding huge crowds indoors, saying mask in high risk settings. It's a good time to be responsible because the next few weeks will have the potential to mess up your summer plans and also possibly really hurt someone else if you don't. 
A note posted at a Vancouver hospital is reinforcing concerns about staffing issues in BC's healthcare system. A visitor to Mount St. Joseph's Hospital posting on Twitter this notification that says in part, some of our staff are unwell and sick. We are down by three nurses, no nurse practitioner and one registration clerk from our regular workforce. No replacement can be found. So your patience is really appreciated. A statement from Providence Healthcare says this notice was posted yesterday at the hospital ER, but there was no staffing shortage for the entire day. They add there was a gap in coverage due to staff being sick. It took a couple of hours to find replacement staff, and the ER at MSJ was functioning at regular capacity for the rest of the day yesterday and was running at normal staffing capacity today. The poster stayed up today until someone noticed it and that it should be removed. Staffing shortages are once again shutting down the emergency department at the hospital in Clearwater for a day. Interior Health says the ED at Dr. Helmkin Memorial Hospital will be closed starting at 6 this morning until Monday at 7 a.m. This after the department at the same facility was closed from Thursday morning to Friday morning. Anyone in Clearwater who needs access to emergency care is advised to go to Royal Inland Hospital in Kamloops. Starting tomorrow, the country's premiers open up two days of meetings, and while each will arrive with their own set of priorities, chief political correspondent David Aiken reports they're united on one thing, their longstanding demand to boost federal health care funding. During the worst of the pandemic, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and the country's premiers were meeting often, 36 times in all. And at almost every one of those meetings, Trudeau promised that he would deal with the premier's pleas for more health care funding once the crisis passed. The premiers now say that promise has been all but ignored. And I've been waiting and waiting and waiting uh, for some significant response from the federal government and it quite frankly has been absent. We just keep getting uh, brushed off. Uh, I find it amazing because this is, I, I think, after inflation, the country's top priority. Uh, the provinces are hugely stretched. The Trudeau government argues it is increasing health transfers to the provinces according to a formula established by the Harper government. Transfers increase at a minimum rate of 3% plus inflation per year. The premiers argue that does not work in an era when the population is not only getting older, but living longer. We need to go beyond inflation plus 3% or, or some uh, sterile uh, fiscal arrangement. We need to understand the needs going forward. The issue is ICU beds, doctors and nurses, critical care, acute care, um, and long-term care. These are the priorities of, I think, pretty much all of the problems. It's mental health. This united front by the premiers crosses all party lines, be it a new Democrat like Horgan, a conservative like Kenny, or the country's only liberal premier, Newfoundland and Labrador's Andrew Fury. They all insist the federal government must provide more funding for health care. David Aiken, Global News, Ottawa. And we'll have more from John Horgan on the premier's meeting coming up later on the News Hour. RCMP and Williams Lake have been involved in a standoff in a residential area of the community for most of the day. No, we're still Heavily armed emergency response officers were deployed this morning to a small apartment complex in the area of Smedley Street and 11th Avenue. They've cordoned off the area and are urging residents to stay away. Local media say the RCMP have deployed stun grenades and smoke could be seen at the front of the property. RCMP will only say they're dealing with an unfolding police incident. 
Some Rogers customers are still having trouble accessing cell and internet services two days after the major outage that left millions of Canadians without connection. The company says it's aware of intermittent drops in service and is working to restore its networks to fully operational as quickly as possible. Rogers says it will be proactively crediting all customers, but some scammers seem to be taking advantage of this. People are receiving scam text messages claiming to offer credits, but Rogers says it will be applying credits directly to your account and are asking anyone who gets a suspicious text message to forward it to 7726. A Vancouver festival is blaming staff shortages and new technology for lines that stretch sometimes for hours on Saturday afternoon. It goes all the way back, all the way back. You end up beside like a lake. Social media is full today of people complaining they gave up after waiting two or more hours in line to get into the Vancouver Craft Beer Week Festival at the PE. Today, festival organizers issued a statement saying they faced unprecedented staffing shortages. Those who stuck around long enough to get inside also faced issues with a new wristband system. The Northern Bear Awareness Society says more has to be done to protect bears in Prince George after the city was ranked as the deadliest community in B.C. for bears. 36 black bears were killed in Prince George last year. That's 14 more than any other community in the province. Bear watchers say the animals are attracted to the city because of its geography. It's surrounded by forest and wildlife typically come down into the community but don't climb the hills back out. Once they're in town, they're finding a feast of fruit and garbage left for them by people. The community said that the bears would walk over their fences. They have no issues with fences. And they would walk through their yards, snoop around, and go through their neighbor's garbage. People have noted that these bears are no longer afraid of them when they're yelling and screaming and trying to get them to to be scared away. Um, That's because the bear has become garbage habituated and food conditioned. Conservationists are calling for stricter bylaws and education campaigns to help protect the bear population. And coming up, developing to revitalize how new builds can help improve the future of Vancouver's Chinatown. Plus, the controversial street name swapped out in Victoria. A well-known Vancouver community activist and residential school survivor has passed away. Even a dog would have got better treatment than he did. This is Kat Norris in 2010, joining protesters outside a hearing into the case of Frank Paul. In 1998, Paul was dragged out of a Vancouver jail cell and left in a back alley where he died of hypothermia. A decade later, Norris called for change and accountability after a First Nations man and his 12-year-old granddaughter were handcuffed while trying to open a new account at a Vancouver BMO. Norris died on Thursday. She was 67 years old. A candlelight vigil to remember Norris will be held at Grandview Park on Tuesday at 5 p.m. The city of Victoria held a celebration today to mark the renaming of a short street with a long and shameful history. Mayor Lisa Helps unveiled the new Sayit Street sign, replacing the Trutch Street sign. Sayit means truth in the Lenquinquin language. Trutch Street was originally named after Sir Joseph William Trutch, a colonial politician with a racist legacy. The name change has been almost five years in the making and began with a student-led movement. Me and my group mates are we're very proud and we're very happy and we hope 
it represents a, a change in values in Victoria, and we hope we see more work towards decolonization with place names because it isn't the only one in Victoria that's problematic. Say eat, especially meaning truth. Um, it's huge. I think you know. I think that we're representing our ancestors in a good way. I hope that it makes people stop and kind of think, right, and then be more open to uh, understanding and, uh, you know, being, being more aware of our history. The two-block residential street is home to Trutch's former residence, which is now a heritage building. It has been almost five years since a controversial project in Vancouver's Chinatown was turned down by the city in a historic decision. Since then, development in the heritage area has stalled, with many stakeholders insisting new buildings do more to meet the needs of the neighbourhood. Kristen Robinson reports. A number of groups want yesterday back, but yesterday's gone. Real estate marketer Bob Rennie says it's a shame this prime lot in Chinatown is empty. The people that turn that down aren't here saving Chinatown. Nearly five years ago, Beatty Living's fifth application to build at the corner of Kiefer and Columbia was rejected by Vancouver's Development Permit Board. The proposed building had been reduced from 13 stories to nine, but opponents say it was never a good fit. The rejection, Rennie says, sent a message to developers. It's probably not worth your effort. When large condos started going up on Main Street, there were concerns the neighborhood's character would be lost. The city's controversial Chinatown South rezoning policy was canceled in 2018. Buildings can no longer be taller than 90 feet or eight stories. It caused a gap that was then accelerated by COVID. Right now, unfortunately, nothing is happening. Carol Lee says sensitive, thoughtful development is essential for Chinatown's survival. Preservation without development is just as bad as development without preservation. So trying to walk along this very fine line is difficult. Development only as the kind of creative destruction of assembling a bunch of lots and then wiping them out and putting something big at scale in because that's where the money is. I think that's a real mistake. UBC history professor Henry Yu says historic clan associations are the largest class of property owners and the challenge will be reimagining these spaces while retaining Chinatown's character as a living community. Developers, he says, must respect the cultural heritage economy and not try to displace and replace. It is a signal of please come and do business, those of you who want to do business in this environment. This idea that, you know, it's not open for development, I hope that we're able to change that. Rendition Development's eight-story Sparrow project with ground floor retail, office space, and 25 homes on the top five floors did get a green light on Kiefer Street. Had 105 Kiefer been approved, Rennie believes the area would have mirrored Maine and Georgia, where he says condos, coffee shops, restaurants, and local businesses have created a livable, walkable community. How can we respect yesterday but move on to tomorrow? And I think they're on the threshold of that. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Coming up, the dangerous mix-up that led to a chaotic scene outside of downtown Vancouver, Tim Hortons. When I survived second time, that I owe my rest of the life to Terry Fox. Plus, a two-time cancer survivor's coast-to-coast fundraising journey culminates in Vancouver. 
An apartment in Vancouver's West End caught fire last night. 29 firefighters responded to the two-alarm fire on Comox Street between Nicola and Broughton. Vancouver Fire and Rescue says the flames were contained to a suite on the third floor, which was fully involved in the fire. The unit's two residents suffered smoke inhalation. In total, three suites were damaged and five people displaced by the fire. It's not yet clear how the fire started, but it's deemed to be accidental. Some heat is expected to return to parts of southern B.C. starting tomorrow, but it's nothing like it was this time last year when most of the province was blanketed with suffocating heat and choking smoke. But 2021's heat dome is a reminder to everyone not to ignore any possible heat warnings. Our report is from CFJC News. People in B.C. typically get to enjoy the summer weather. Last year, however, during the heat dome, 17 people died in Kamloops and area due to the extreme temperatures. This summer, the city is hoping to get a jump on possible abnormally hot weather and prepare itself through its cooling centres. We here in Kamloops fall into what's called the southeast region of the province where if we have a heat alert uh, event which will trigger uh, a heat warning from Environment and Climate Change Canada, uh, we will activate some indoor cooling centres. Environment Canada is also reminding people of the dangers that heat presents. It is more dangerous to people's health than any other hazard that we forecast for. So it's absolutely important to take heat uh, with, a, with the caution that it deserves. And, you know, it may not affect you directly, but it may affect somebody you know. In order to activate the cooling centres, the city needs to have two days of 35 degrees or warmer in a row followed by lows that don't drop below 18 degrees at night. Due to the heat deaths last summer, the city wants to make sure people are checking on their neighbours. So if you know somebody on your block who is a senior, um, who may be living in, in marginal housing, who you know doesn't have central air, maybe it's a bit hot in their house, you've heard them talking about it in the past, maybe they've got some pre-existing health conditions, um, let's all just be good neighbours, go check on our neighbours. For homeless people in the city, Mazota notes that trained professionals are here to support those in need. People may be wondering uh, around what supports are in place for people experiencing homelessness. Our CSOs, our community service officers, are going to be working with uh, street response teams, teams in the community and in coordination with those other service providers to ensure that uh, people at street level are, are getting water and are getting connected to services and supports. Connor Gunn, CFJC News. And meteorologist Yvonne Schell will have more on the heat coming up in just a few minutes. A chaotic incident taking place at a Tim Hortons in downtown Vancouver that appears to have stemmed from a misunderstanding. At about 5.30 last night, Vancouver police were called to a Tim Hortons near Dunsmuir and Seymour for reports of someone with a weapon inside. A number of officers were seen with their guns drawn approaching two teenagers who were allegedly holding a gun and pointing it at people inside the coffee shop. Police confirm two boys were in possession of cap guns and were pointing them at the people they were sitting with. They were both arrested. It was an alarming sight for witnesses, including one who didn't want to be identified. Really made me nervous was when the two teenagers ran back into the situation because at that point the police would not have known how old these kids are or that it was a toy gun, I don't think, at that point. And um, could have been, could have gone the wrong way. VPD says the boys were released to their parents.
Now to breaking news on the police incident in Williams Lake. The police watchdog agency has been called in after a man has passed away. No, we're still over. Response officers were deployed this morning to a small apartment complex in the area of Smedley Street and 11th Avenue. They've cordoned off the area and urged residents to stay away. Police now say they received a complaint just after 3.30 a.m. of an armed man and was contemplating self-harm at a home. Negotiators tried to contact the man. During the noon hour, an emergency response team entered the home and found a deceased man with a weapon and what appeared to be a self-inflicted injury. The IIO is now investigating the incident in an effort to determine whether police actions contributed to the man's death. A small but mighty motorcade rally was held throughout the Lower Mainland this weekend as part of the fight against cancer. <laughs> Professor Avtar Singh Virdi survived cancer twice. His experiences prompted him to recently complete a coast-to-coast -coast walk in 13 Canadian cities, starting in St. John's and ending today at Stanley Park in Vancouver. Ahead of that, his team of supporters stopped at temples and gurdwaras throughout Metro Vancouver Saturday and Sunday, gathering donations and raising awareness about cancer research. He says he was inspired by BC icon Terry Fox. I realized this time, when I survived second time, that I owe my rest of the life to Terry Fox, who did all that for himself and for millions of people like me. So I started my walk on 14th of June. And today I am here, it is the concluding day. I have brought a bottle of water from Atlantic Ocean that we all will be pouring in the Pacific Ocean in Stanley Park at the statue of Terry Park. The team has a goal of raising $1 million for the BC Cancer Foundation. Coming up, a BC performer with new tricks up his sleeve. This is what magic is about because it evolves, it's evolving. So I'll have something, I'll keep working on it and how he's following in the footsteps of the great Harry Houdini. That's later. BC's diverse Latin American communities coming together this weekend to celebrate their cultures with the return following a COVID-19 pause of Carnival del Sol at Vancouver's Jonathan Rogers Park. Here's Michael Newman with more. Here on the last day of Carnival del Sol, and it's been a great crowd with lots of energy. Take a look. The park was filled with the colors and the sounds of Latin America. The music, a pull for people ready to move their hips and to learn the rhythms of Latin music. Scrumptious flavors could be found at the food plaza where some were trying new dishes while others were reminded of the taste of childhood. It takes you home for a bit, right? So that's, I think that's the best part of eating tacos, especially when you're outside of your country. An overall, an inclusive event where kids, dogs, and seniors could celebrate culture. Oh, well, make a new friends, enjoy together, and spend the time like this, like today, with music beside, what more? What can I have more? So a great way to round out the weekend, uh, bringing together the, the diverse Latin cultures we have here in the city as a cause for celebration and joy. Michael Newman reporting from Carnaval Lo Sol. He's having a great time.
And the weather looks fantastic as well as we bring in meteorologist Yvonne Schell for a look at the forecast for the work week ahead, Yvonne. Yeah, it's going to warm up. That's the big weather story that we're following. The heat is on, especially along the southern half of the province. Different weather story across the north and I'll have more coming up in just a moment. Here's a snapshot of what it looks like outside. We've got temperatures sitting at 22, a southwesterly wind at 15 kilometers per hour. But when you factor in the humidex away from the water, we've got 26 degrees west van feeling like 24 and inland for Port Alberni with the humidex at 23 degrees. A few spots and highs across the province today with trail getting up to 28. Kamloops and Lytton closer to 27 degrees, similar for Kelowna and Lillooet today topping out at 26. And that temperature is going to rise, especially for both our Monday and Tuesday. Now, the plan for Metro Vancouver as we kick things off for Monday. Overnight tonight, we've got clear skies. Temperatures will be down to 13 degrees. Sunshine in store through the day tomorrow, 24. But it's away from the water with temperatures getting up to 30 and the humidex sitting at 33. Now, the weather maker is along the north and central coast, and it could bring a bit more cloud cover along the northern tip of Vancouver Island. And a few isolated showers are possible. Bulk of the moisture will stay along the north and central coast, and it looks to continue over the next few days. It'll push inland in a few spots tomorrow, especially along the central interior with a bit more cloud cover and a few isolated showers in the mix, but areas just towards the south of Prince George remaining dry. Update from the BC River Forecast Centre. Quinell River still underneath the flood watch, similar for the Jacolton and the Jachaco. High stream flow advisory for all areas in yellow and the Thompson is included within that. Wanted to show you the upper level chart. Ridge is building in very strong and likely the peak of the heat and the hottest days will be from Monday, Tuesday. Most areas for the southern half of the province, that temperature getting into the low 30s. It'll moderate slightly, but it looks like it'll remain dry with temperatures for a few spots in the interior still remaining into the low 30s for both our Thursday and continuing in towards Friday. Rainfall, though, along the northern half of the province. Inland for Terrace, just getting up to 14 degrees. We've got that cloud cover for Prince George with a few isolated showers, much of the southern half, so the hottest days, both Monday, Tuesday, we're into the low 30s with the Humidex even a touch warmer. Whistler will see more breaks through the afternoon. It's the northern regions of the island that could see a few isolated showers and a bit more cloud cover. But it's hot across Metro Vancouver, summer-like for the next two. Away from the water, 29 and 30 degrees. And then we'll continue to hang on to dry conditions and sunshine for a Wednesday onwards and leading into Friday so far. Nithu? Plenty of sunballs on that screen. Yes, Thanks, absolutely. <laughs> A welcome sight in Stanley Park today with the return of the annual Walk with the Dragon following a two-year pandemic pause. The 37th annual walk hosted by the social service agency Success kicked off early this morning with the goal of raising more than $4,000 for programs and services to help seniors, women, families and children, particularly those who are newcomers to Canada looks fantastic. As Asa Raymond joins us now for a preview of what is coming up in sports. Asa, what do you have for us? Yeah, big game in Seattle with the Blue Jays there to close out their series and uh, the fans who traveled out uh, may have been in for a bit of a surprise as <laughs> the Blue Jays were looking to avoid a sweep in Seattle. Excellent tease there. Looking forward to those highlights. Thanks so much. Also ahead, help for health care. And I asked the Prime Minister back in November if we could achieve a new vision for health care, and he said we could. Premier John Horgan goes in depth on the pleas to the PM to make good on his promises to the provinces. That's next. 
earlier, Canada's premiers will be in Victoria tomorrow for two days of talks. And with Premier John Horgan leading the Council of the Federation, he spoke with Global News at length about calls from the provinces and territories for greater health care funding from Ottawa. This is the, the coming to the end of my time as the chair of the Council of the Federation. I took, took the task on back in September. It's a rotating chair. I'm the, the senior provincial premier as well. I've been five years on the job. And the issue that was on the table at the first COF conference I went to, the number one issue, was health care. And at every meeting I've been to since then, the number one issue has been how do we manage and sustain our publicly funded health care system to meet the expectations of the people in our, in our communities. And I asked the Prime Minister back in November if we could achieve a new vision for health care, and he said we could. And I've been waiting and waiting and waiting uh, for some significant response from the federal government, and it, quite frankly, has been absent. The Prime Minister committed to all of the premiers uh, that we would get to health care once we came out of the hard part of the uh, pandemic. We met here in Victoria during the atmospheric river. The federal government, uh, the Prime Minister and his team, came to uh, review the, the, the absolute devastation of the floods that we experienced at the end of uh, November. And uh, we sat together and we, we agreed that this is a number one priority and we needed to get at it. That was eight months ago. And I've had two Zoom calls with uh, Dominic LeBlanc and uh, Minister Duclos, and that's it. We developed a, a, a diverse group of people across the country, leaders in their own communities, sitting down, we thought, with decision makers at the federal level, and it just never materialized, and I'm, I'm profoundly disappointed about that. This isn't about uh, us ganging up on the federal government. This is about us asking the federal government to collaborate with us to deliver the number one social program that separates Canadians from Americans. It's a component part of our DNA that accessible, publicly funded health care is what Canadians work towards. So we need to be more nimble and more flexible if we're going to meet the challenges of inflation, if we're going to meet the challenges of new technologies, and most importantly, an aging population that has expectations that their community will be able to provide the health care they need when they need it. And in order for us to achieve that, we need to have certainty from the federal government that they take the dollars that provincial citizens send to them and send them back to us so that we can deliver those services. We have a workforce that is exhausted uh, from COVID and the challenges that existed before COVID. And we need to have a human resource strategy for doctors, for nurses, for nurse practitioners, all of the continuum of care providers, social workers and beyond. We need to have a national strategy that we work on in collaboration with the national government. I would be the, the most uh, progressive or leftist or however you want to characterize my worldview of all of the premiers, but I have a, a very solid working relationship with every single one of them. Even though the players have changed, even though the perspectives of the players has changed, the sentiment has, has been consistent. And that tells me there's a real unique opportunity in our history to get something done. And I, that's been my appeal to the Prime Minister. Let's create that vision for healthcare 2.0 or 5.6, whatever we're on now, but we need to make changes and they need to be fundamental and we need to get on it now because they're not going to get any cheaper going forward. Coming up, determined to defend his title. Traditional wrestling, Indian culture, that's our trophy. The intense preparation Arjun Buller is undergoing a few months ahead of the heavyweight championship. Ace is back with sports next.
head to English Bay for Celebration of Light. Be there for the world's longest-running offshore fireworks competition as it returns for its milestone 30th year, with pyrotechnic performances featuring teams from Japan on July 23rd, Canada on July 22nd, and Spain on July 30th. Rockin' River Festival returns to Merritt, B.C. for another legendary four days of music, friends, and good times by the river. Don't miss the great festival with headliners including Tim McGraw and Darius Rucker. For RBC, I'm Michael Newman. If you wanna know, it's on the hub. If you wanna show, it's on the hub. If you wanna go, it's on the Global BC Community Hub. Navigate your now. All right, Asa's here and another busy night in sports. Where are you starting things off on? Always is. We'll start in Seattle. It is the series that Blue Jays fans in Vancouver circle on their calendar as soon as the schedule comes out. And usually the Jays get at least one win for those fans to celebrate on the drive back. Well, the team from Toronto needed to win today to avoid a series sweep after losing the first three. Yesterday, fans are treated to a pitcher's duel today. Just the opposite. First pitch of the contest, George Springer sends it deep to left, and it's on the good side of the pole. A punctual fan has a souvenir. Skip to the top of the seventh. As we see him actually just touch home and make sure that that one counts. Yeah, one thing uh, lead for Toronto. We'll skip to the seventh now. Top of the seventh, tied 4-4. Bo gets a hold of this one. And gets the Jays back in front with a solo shot of his own. That made it 5-4 and so close to the finish line. Toronto Blue Jays and their fans hoping they'll see this one out. But in the bottom of the inning, uh, just like he did yesterday, Carlos Santana comes up with a big two-run shot to give the Mariners a lead. They go on to win this one 6-5, completing the sweep of the Jays, sending some traveling Mariners fans home happy at least. And the biggest game in the CFL last night at BC Place, the Canadian kid Nathan Rooks went off against veteran Zach Caleros, but it was Jennerian Grant taking the opening kickoff all the way back. 97 yards untouched for the score. Bombers sending a message to the BC Lions and their fans 7-0 at that point. Bombers add to that lead. Caleros takes the hit, tosses to Dalton, showing in the end zone. Winnipeg showing why they're back-to-back Grey Cup champs. Lions weren't going down easy, though. They're down 24-0 at this stage when Rourke goes deep to Josh Pearson. 66-yard touchdown. Just hung that one up in the air. First for Pearson and gets the Lions on the board. Rourke wasn't done there. He goes deep once again. He's got a good arm on him. This time he finds Dominic Rimes. The Bombers hit a field goal just before halftime, so it was 27-14 at the break. Then Caleros takes over in the second half, scrambles, and hits Schoen in the end zone for the second time in this game. Schoen's second touchdown and maybe a little extra motivation for the Bombers after Marcus Sales of the Lions called the Winnipeg offense vanilla. Yeah. But Rourke is showing some fights in this game. He throws his third TD of the game, connecting with Rimes once again. Rimes uh, having a great game. 136 yards, six catches on the day and a couple scores as well. It wasn't a perfect night for Rourke. His fans or his parents are actually pretty happy with his performance. Uh, he was he had three touchdowns, two interceptions though, and the Bombers improved to 5 and 0 with the win looking to the Lions looking to go back to the drawing board after taking their first L of the season. We're trying to build stuff here where we can win on a consistent basis so definitely a disappointing result i give them full credit though they made made more plays than we did and uh, they deserve to win today you learn a lot 
more about people when there is adversity and you lose. It's easy to win and have people pat you on the back, so you learn a lot more when you when you do have a setback. And they're obviously very disappointed. I'm disappointed. I hate losing, but at the same time, I know they see the big picture, and we got a lot of important football ahead of us. I thought there was flashes out there where we showed that what we're truly capable against teams like that. Um, but the thing is, is that you can't play pretty good against teams like this. You got to play really, really good for the entire entire game. So we didn't do that. I think we're a lot closer than the score reflected to to a team like that. So I'm lucky. I'm glad this happened early in the season, um, so we can bounce back and learn from it. Novak Djokovic, a winner of three straight Wimbledon championships, entering today's match against Nikyrgios, trying to become the first unseated men's champion since. His coach, Gorn Ivanicevic, won Wimbledon in 2001. Kyrgios, a big serve on full display, 136 miles an hour, 30 aces on the day, won the opening set 6-4. Two very different styles of play and personalities on the courts. Kyrgios not afraid to try anything and not shy to show how he feels as well. He goes between the legs to hit the winner. Even Novak Djokovic was impressed. Novak winning the second set 6-3. Djokovic taking the third 6-4. Key points was... When the set was 4-4, Kyrgios serving up, 40-love, gets away from them, and a double fault, and then uh, watch Djokovic hit the uh, forehand winner. The match stretched over three hours. Novak Djokovic uh, running his unbeaten streak at Wimbledon to 28 matches. He claims his fourth straight Wimbledon title, seventh overall, and 21st career Grand Slam. Only Roger Federer has won more Wimbledon titles than Djokovic, one more than him. Novak now one slam back of Nadal's all-time total of 22. Formula One action, Austrian Grand Prix, sold-out crowd, 300,000 fans over the three days. Ferrari's Carlos Sainz was running strong, was pushing for Stappen hard for second place when his engine uh, lets go in lap 57. And uh, then it was uh, went from bad to worse them and it was uh, Charlotte Leclerc who ends up winning claiming his first checkered flag when not starting for the pole for Stappen second to Leclerc now 37 points behind the Red Bull driver in the overall standings. Under 23 global jam tournament in Toronto the Canadian women in the final against France. Filipina K was too much to handle inside she had seven points and seven rebounds a couple of them right there. Canada was in control the whole way and comfortably went on to win this one. Uh, Cheyenne Day-Wilson had a game-high 19 points with four threes. What time is it? It's time to celebrate for the women. They pick up gold while going undefeated, 5-0 in the tournament. Congrats to them. Well, the grind just doesn't stop for Richmond's Arjun Buller, even though he hasn't fought in over a year since becoming an MMA world champion. He's been in the gym training hard. In a few months, Buller will defend his one world championship belt. And if that isn't enough, he's also preparing to embark on a professional wrestling career. Feel explosive. Feel sharp. Feel motivated. Finally got a date, finally got the opponent. It's been a while, but we got our mission. Arjun Buller's been in the gym training on a daily basis, but it's been a while since Buller is seriously throwing down. Arjun becoming the one championship heavyweight world champion May of 2021, but he hasn't fought and defended his world title due to contract negotiations, as well as finding an accommodating venue to face his Russian opponent, who's currently the interim champ. 
Every day, whether I had the fight or not, I was in working. So um, it was one of those times we're gonna get sorted next month and the next month. So it was more of a mental thing than it was physical. And um, you know, if, if, if I didn't do that, it could have been a retirement. And I didn't want that, that time, time away. A lot of people, they don't come back the same or they just retire. Uh, I knew I didn't want to be done. Um, and I didn't want to come back, get injured, you know, because I've been out for that long, didn't want to miss a beat. Um, I actually wanted to be sharper. And I, and I think that's what we've done. It's been 14 months since Buller became world champion. Now he goes from the longest layoff to the lengthiest fight camp of his career. Typically, you give me six weeks, we fly out seventh week, we go fight, no problem. Eight weeks max. Uh, we got a three month heads up here now. So we're 12 weeks out. You see me moving, you know, physically I'm sharp. Um, I just want to make sure I get the sparring rounds in. I want to get those rounds in. Those rounds and that timing is always different than hitting pads and, 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 and working on techniques. So I want to make sure I get all those rounds in to make up for that time loss. A chance to make history tonight. Born and raised in Richmond, Bowler is a proud Indo-Canadian who carries his Punjabi heritage with him into every bout. That mace over his shoulder is more than just a shiny accessory. That's the culture spinoff. For, for wrestling, traditional wrestling, Indian culture, that's our trophy. That is the grand champion. Um, Hanuman is the Hindu god of the cult of destruction, the all-powerful um, god. Stands for strength, courage, humility, respect. Um, so that's presented to the strongest, most courageous, most humble, greatest champion um, within Indian wrestling tradition. So that represents, I'm not, a, I'm not Hindu, I'm Sikh, um, but that represents my wrestling lineage. That represents um, being the grand champion um, and, and being the biggest, baddest. Arjun practically came out of the womb ready to compete. His father was a world-class wrestler back in India, and not surprisingly, his son followed in dad's sizable footsteps. Arjun's won Commonwealth gold for Canada, competed in the Olympics, and is now planning on returning to his roots of sorts. His new MMA contract allows him to step into the squared circle of professional wrestling, and it's something that'll happen sooner than later. Through the table! WWE, but then there's another three words, AEW. You've been courted by both. Are you leaning one way or the other? Um, yeah, so, you know, before I was able to sign with him, went down to Orlando, did the whole WWE experience, Triple H and all that, fantastic. We were on the phone, conference call, Tony Khan did that uh, for AEW. Um, I had good feelings with both. Both have their pros and cons. For me, it's what makes sense for me, though. You know, I put my turban on, I got my mace, that is my lineage, that is what's made me. Um, bloodlines from before me, this is what I'm meant for. Um, where there's this of pro wrestling, I make that walk and we're going to go do it. Alright, I'll leave you with a weird play in the Canadian Premier League in Winnipeg during a match between Valor and Halifax, something I've never seen before and may never see again. Second effort, it dribbles and no! Did Akio clear that off the line himself? Yeah, Valor was about to score, but... William Accio denies his own team a goal by clearing it off the line at the last moment. It's hard to understand uh, what he was actually trying to do here. His teammates are probably wondering the same thing. Fortunately for Accio, his team did end up winning the match 1-0. Wild one. Saved it. All right. <laughs> Thanks very much, Asa. We'll be right back with a magic milestone for a BC performer. Stay with us. 
the special stories that shape our province. As suggested by our viewers, this is BC with Jay Durant. Real people, real stories. This is BC with Jay Durant is brought to you in part by Van Cam Freightways, BC owned and operated for 75 years. As a young child, Rod Chow became mesmerized by magic shows. Then he became hooked with performing when his father gave him his first crack in front of a live audience. Now, as Jay Durant reports in This Is BC, he's about to mark a true milestone in his lifelong love of magic. Or even better, my favorite. Rod Chow still remembers the rush he got from the crowd's reaction to one of his earlier award-winning magic shows. I made of money, basically. So I went this, I'm totally made of money. I lit up, it was crazy. Working money into his routine seems like a natural fit given his day job. My occupation is insurance and financial advisor here at Jack Chow Insurance. Home base is the iconic world's skinniest building in Chinatown. This is where the magic happens. Chow's been working on his act here. Below the sidewalk, fine-tuning the details of his next trick. That one? Pull it out? Yeah, pull it out. Make sure you're happy with it. Are you happy with it? Yes, I am. Great. We're going to actually personalize it to your name, Jay. So I want you to actually sign your name right on the back of it. He fell in love with magic at a young age, going to shows on family trips to Reno and Las Vegas. Chow's first gigs were performances at his dad Jack's office parties. I was uh, performing for food, basically. So I was, no, I was my father's uh, entertainer. All of this has led to the highlight of his career. Chow was the first Canadian to be named president of the Society of American Magicians, an organization once headed up by the great Harry Houdini, who is forever revered in the industry. No other person's match what he's done for, uh, for magic, for illusions, for escapes. Like he was just uh, amazing. He was like, a miracle worker. The first big event under his presidency is FISM in Quebec City this summer. It's basically the Olympics of magic. From that moment, the new leader will work on preserving and elevating the mystique surrounding this timeless art. This is what magic is about because it evolves, it's evolving. So I'll have something, I'll keep working on it, but it's gonna to evolve to the next level eventually. So uh, whatever I'm doing right now, yeah, next time we meet, it'll evolve. So it'll be greater maybe, hopefully. <laughs> and check it. That's the one right there. Thank you and good night. Jay Durant, Global News. And if you have a great story to tell or something unique to BC that people need to know about, you can email your ideas to thisisbc at globalnews.ca. And as we welcome back my colleagues, a little bit of a programming note to leave you with. As of this sign-off, I am officially leaving Global BC and moving full-time into my new role at Global National. So I'm not going too far. And taking over the anchoring duties for the weekend news hour as of next weekend is our colleague and dear friend, Sarah McDonald. As always, for sharing your time with us, a big thank you to all of you at home. Thanks so much. Have a great night.